It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to another episode of Best Ball Bros on Spike Week. Super pumped to bring in um good friend, one of the funniest, weirdest Twitter handles in, in the space. Up there, Mike Leone and today's desk guest, John Daigle at not J Daigle on Twitter from four for four and Bet Spurts is here today. I love listening to pretty much everything that Daigle does. So I'm really excited for this conversation, not just from a fantasy football sense. Of course, we like to hear what Daigle brings in that area but i love like the the real life stuff he he talks about reading and he's running and he's doing all this different stuff i love to learn um from different people across the space in in all aspects of life right and i think there's a lot of things that we can learn from these different hobbies adventures life experiences that we've had that maybe we can even apply to some of this stuff and better our best ball game so anyway i've rambled on enough let's get into it All right, Diggle. First question, everybody, how we kick this puppy off. The worst fantasy football take you've ever had. Season long, DFS, before your career in the industry, anything. What's the worst take you've ever had? That Brian Brom would be a better oh. NFL, NFL quarterback than Matt Ryan. They obviously came out in the same class together. And needless to say, not only... Only one of them was drafted in the first round. Not only one of them made it past their first year in the NFL, one of them <laughs> is still one of them is still carving out a co- prominent career in the NFL. That was very early on when I was still like finding my wings in the space, and that take wasn't going to get me anywhere. But really, what we do every year, I still do this nowadays. Like last year, you know, we joke about the people who were concerned about Jonathan Taylor last year and that person was me honestly and so like i take these bad takes and then i i assess them year to year and say okay how do i improve on that uh, a couple years ago it was actually like stefan diggs even though i was very high on josh allen how the hell does mm-hmm. one person get there right so that's that's a correction <laughs> i had to make saying if i'm high on yeah. the quarterback why the hell am i not high on the receiver as well so we adjust these things as we go along and luckily i got brahm over ryan out of my life very early on 
I feel like those those are some of the best ones, like the old school kind of before we got into it. And at the time, I don't know. I don't really remember. I mean, I remember Brian Brom very clearly, but I, mm-hmm. you know, it, when you're in the moment, you're like, <clears throat> I don't know, this doesn't feel that crazy. Maybe it is a hot take or whatever, but like you're in the moment and you're, you know, maybe you're analyzing those players, you're putting your hand in the dirt, whatever. And like, it seems fine. And then you look back and we look back and we say that now. And Matt Ryan is literally, like you said, still carving out a career approaching 40 years old or however, I don't even, he's super old. Yeah. And we're, we're still talking about like, Oh look, the Colts got Matt Ryan. He's upgrading their quarterback situation, you know? So like, he's so old, but he's still competent enough that we're like, Oh, maybe this is an upgrade for this offense compared to the guy who basically played as much in the NFL as you. As I you still and I try to like be professional and stop myself whenever I'm just like, shooting the shit with you and the ship chasing guys and just friends around the industry because like it genuinely is unprofessional to just say like, Hey, this guy sucks. Like that's just bar talk. Right. But at the same right. time, like when I am just talking to my friends, sometimes I do admittedly get stuck in that kind of conversation. And that's the easiest way to explain why a person isn't doing well. Uh, and again, I try to stop myself <laughs> doing that, but for Ryan, like I understand it's not sexy, but also like think about how great of an athlete, how great of a player you have to be to like carve out a starting quarterback role, one of only 32 positions in the entire freaking world for how long he's done so. Uh, And, you know, fantasy football-wise, last year played behind an Atlanta O-line that allowed a league-high 40% pressure rate, now goes to literally what will be the best offensive line of his entire career. That's how we're high on the Colts and Michael Pittman. But overall, like, it is like as as easy it is to say, yeah, that guy's boring, whatever. Like, he's made, obviously, a very terrific life for himself. Yeah, yeah, I would Easily. say that he has. He he's also really funny. Um, I, 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 it's funny that he came up here because I just I I wish I remembered who I see so much on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't remember everybody's, you know, exactly who is posting these. But somebody posted like, you know, we're so critical of uh quarterback draft prospects, right? A lot of this probably comes from like the Trey Lance stuff, even Zach Wilson, whatever, and like it, breaking them down from their statistical profiles and athleticism profiles and everything and i know it's been a long time since the matt ryan you know draft era but you look back so a he went to boston college did not put up stats that like make you scream top five pick Mm -hmm. in in the nfl they were actually quite terrible and he's like one of the least athletic quarterbacks (laughs) like you know his entire career he's always been one of the least athletic quarterbacks in the nfl and now we're like you know, we're bashing every player for X thing, right? It's like, oh, he ran a four six instead of a four five, or he, yeah. you know, whatever. And uh, Matt Ryan was the perfect example that people are like, you know, sometimes the like guys are just good at football, and like we, you know, like you said, you joke about like, oh, I get into the bar talk of this guy sucks or this guy, I love this guy or whatever. But there is something to this element of like, I don't know, Matt Ryan is just a good, a quality football player. Is he fast? No. Does he really have the strongest arm? No. Did he even put up that much production in college? No, but he's just good at this game. And so like towing that line, that's like the hardest thing for me, like by far is we all have our takes, right? But like towing the line of, look, I just think this guy is good, you know, or I just think this guy sucks. And like, I want to balance and be humble about that. But I also like, I'm investing my money into this. You know what I mean? I don't want to be like, I think that guy sucks. So I'm going to put my money behind him just because, you know, I shouldn't, I shouldn't trust myself. And as we've moved along, like we've also learned throughout the years, what 
we should and should not bet on because of the majority of the time, like those odds won't hit. Like small school receivers, uh, perhaps we should bet on them. Sometimes their profile matches, but also like there are major blemishes. And like this is a subtweet for Christian Watson, what's happening right now <laughs> yeah, with his yeah. ADP. But uh, we've learned practically like with Antonio Gandy-Golden, right? Like it doesn't matter. Don't bet on small school wide receivers because 98% of the time you're going to be right. Also, we're never going to get quarterbacks right. Justin Herbert taught us that. Uh, Ohio State receivers are basically lotteries because like they train their receivers the same way. And so we just like legitimately struggle to to rank them accordingly. And then Hawaii quarterbacks. That's my last one. Uh, as someone <laughs> as someone who used to stay up late, now I'm just old and don't stay up that late anymore. But during the college season, watching them, like we learned that that running gun, like run and shoot offense they have, uh, it just doesn't. We lost Daigle. We lost Daigle. But I'm excited where we we're headed with this Hawaii thing. If you're like me. And uh, and Daigle grew up watching college football and maybe more importantly, playing NCAA football. <clears throat> Hawaii was the shit. I'm sure everybody remembers the Colt Brennan specifically. Hawaii. Here's Daigle coming back. Hopefully coming back. We'll see. Back. You're good. I don't know what happened. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't know what happened. You're too spicy. You started getting into Timmy Chang and Colt Brennan uh, quarterback territory. Paul Cochran <laughs> mentions uh, uh, Colt Brennan. Yeah, like he's the one who taught me, and I believe he's passed now actually, but he's the, yeah, one, he who t- he's the one who taught me like, oh, like oh, Hawaii quarterbacks, as fun as they are to watch overnight, will never translate to the NFL whatsoever. And apologies about that. Everything's like shut down out of nowhere, but luckily Google restores everything for me. So Yeah, so dude, Literally uh, last week, this show or the Thursday show or something like that, I start talking. My mic is working like to start and the same thing, like my stuff didn't shut down, but like my whole station just like went haywire. The mic went off like I can't figure anything out. And the whole chat is just like, you're muted. You're muted. I'm like, I'm not fucking muted. I just don't know what the technology is is failing. You know, I should understand technology more given how many times I do this per week. And yet like things (laughs) will still crash on me all the time. I just Mm -hmm. adapt to uh, to controlling the environment and chaos. So like this adapter I have, this is interesting discussion, by the way, Uh, this adapter (laughs) I have that no one can see because we're live. uh, It just crashes sometimes. It may crash during this show. So I've I've (laughs) learned like, the chaos routine of just like quickly pulling the cord and then I could yeah. be back online in two seconds and talking again. I don't know. Speaking of also good for this, the the kind of theme and uh, uh, schematics of, of, of this show, it reminds me of like, ah, uh, the, the, you know, my uh, Sega Genesis game or my, you know, Nintendo cartridge isn't working. Everybody figured out that, Oh, pull that, you know, blow in the cartridge and put, and put it back in. We figured that out. And it's, like it's like going back to your childhood you're like i know how to problem shoot this it's fine i'm just gonna get back in and i'll start playing my game again and with cds i believe it was i tried this a couple times and it did work i didn't figure it out till later on in life but if you if you put and rub toothpaste into a cd scratch it would fill it in and then act as if like the cd was still completely filled and keep on going for those uh listening that had to deal with cds or those that are still listening to CDs. The, uh, yeah, sure. Uh, I mean, I, mean, I think they're collectibles now, uh, like, yeah. like vinyl yeah. almost. Isn't isn't that isn't that so wild? That's a, I can't. I love the. I talked about this with uh, somebody that I was like, I love like Pat Mayo's setup that he's always had because it has all the, the like you know video games and kind of nostalgic things in the in the background. It's like something uh, I wanna I wanna work towards. But that's so 
funny because it's like it's not really that different of a generation or, or a leap from like the video games we were just talking about to CDs and like CDs was like <laughs> that's like my entire childhood like you went and you 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 bought CDs or you burned right you burned your own CDs off of whatever uh you know illegal uh <laughs> Uh, downloading uh, software that you used it's it's like it all comes full circle to talking about fantasy football and being able to troubleshoot you're like oh yeah well i just used to put toothpaste on my cds and put them into my car is there something nostalgia that you would want to collect that you haven't started yet or you've been contemplating it oh that is a really great question um so i'm i I want to hear yeah what's yours yeah well mine so this is not what I want to collect, but a quick aside, we did, like everyone else in the entire industry, you and I talked about this, a first-round reaction show at 4-4. went like four hours long because we literally recorded through the entire first round and yep. just kept on bringing people on. Unfortunately, a lot of people like yourself that I won on could not come on because they were also doing their own shit. No big deal. But <laughs> we had Davis Maddock on, and mid-conversation, we started talking about pogs. I think I made a pog reference. Who knows how? And Davis just like looked at me. You could see his eyes were like went right over my head because he had never heard of pogs his entire life. Well, I guess he's younger. So he is. So I had to explain like taking the slammers out to the playground and going under the monkey bars and trying to steal other people's pogs via the slammer. Uh, Also, (laughs) to to quickly answer your question, to answer my question before, so you have more time to think about it. For some reason, it's not even really nostalgic. I want to collect old fishing lures, and I haven't started yet. But I think I think owning and yeah, what's I, the story? Why I, I don't know. Like I do, admittedly, love fishing. Uh, hence the dumb voice. I guess I have, but <laughs> but like I think it's fascinating. Like if I could find old like wooden crankbaits and just have them on the wall. Like maybe this is me becoming a grandpa at thirty four. But like yeah. I I think that would be kind of awesome to find like old Rapala lures and just hang them everywhere. So that's kind of the battle I have with myself. Do I want to go down like the auction house crankbait life? Uh, like a <laughs> like a bad YouTube rabbit hole for eighty year olds. Yes. Uh, I'm trying to think of what's like some of the, the shows like on the history channel or the travel channel and stuff. You would get those guys going and you would you would you would probably fit in. Actually, you got the beard and everything going. You would play well on one like a sitcom I, of your own. I did pick up during the pandemic uh, winning auctions or going into auctions for rookie cards uh, old rookie cards that I thought would be like great getting like some 10 of 10 mints and then like stuffing them in a safe. And now I'm stuck with quite literally five <laughs> Jordan love 10 of 10 grades <laughs> that are never ever going to return investment. Cause Aaron Rodgers came back literally they will, I will never get my money back on those. So I should probably stop all the habits I ever want to do. This is absolutely wild. That we're having this random See? conversation and a fishing lore collection is something that Tegel brings up, it's which I did not know was a thing. It's definitely something like Midwest and Southern dads do. Absolutely. That's that's the um, track. That's the trajectory I'm on. Yeah. <laughs> right. But Donovan, Donovan in the chat says that his uncle has a massive lore collection. So maybe Donovan, you'll have to uh, tag Daigle on Twitter and uh, put him in touch with uh, with with your uncle so he can get into this lore collecting streets. So I don't have a great answer. I don't think but it's it's definitely two things. So I do already collect some of the sports stuff. So that's like not something uh, mostly what I'm trying to put together. What I want to put up over here 
on on this wall is actually I'm collecting. I have like a, sh- a shadow box or whatever for baseballs, and then also one for hockey pucks. It's got like five rows or something. It's pretty it's pretty big and nice. And so the the St. Louis Blues re- fairly recently won the Stanley Cup. That was like one of the most. I'm born and raised in St. Louis. Like I grew up going to like my dad had season tickets to the Blues. Like that was like that was actually like probably some of the uh, initial sporting events I ever went to. So then winning the Stanley Cup was a, like a, a big deal. Got to go of to course. games. The the city was it's it's awesome, right? Um, and so I want to get I'm putting together a collection of autographed pucks from everyone that was on that team. That's amazing. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm getting that into a shadow box, and then same thing with the Cardinals is not an individual team, uh, St. Louis Cardinals, but just like all my favorite Cardinals of all time, right? You have, I mean, I have a picture of Ozzie Smith there. Um, you know, that, that kind of stuff, obviously Albert Pujols, Mark McGuire, all that getting there, but then some of the like really lesser known guys, like my favorite, um, Cardinal probably of all time is Chris Duncan, actually, who just also recently just passed. Apparently yep. we're, we're hitting all, we're hitting all the, uh, the guys who unfortunately, well, that's, that's uh, why we're just not going to talk about wrestling on the show. Two of our favorite yeah. things either, because <laughs> then we go down the really dark hole. Yeah. And so anyway, I want to get that up there too, with like my favorite guys. Um, well, but it is that, funny, the wrestling, go ahead, go ahead. On that, well, on that same note, like the blues, how close they are to your heart, that particular team. Like, obviously, for me, it's the 2010-2011 Mavericks that won the championship. Uh, the only team to, to beat mm. the LeBron-led Heat team. Yep. And because I was, like, I was a dirt kid through and through. I still like them, and I'll still get, like, some joy whenever Luka's good. Uh, like, and they're in the playoffs this past run. I got excited, but still, I'm really just a dirt guy at heart. Um, but... The other day, because I still can name every single player from that team, even like Karan Butler, who was on IR. But the yep. other day, uh, Deshaun Stevenson, who's now bankrupt, go figure, saw that started too. an auction for his championship ring. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants this thing, by the way, except me. Like, I know who <laughs> Deshaun Stevenson is. I remember his contributions in the Mother's Day Massacre against the Lakers when they swept the, the Kobe and Andrew Bynum and Pal Gasol-led Lakers. And, like, I saw it in, like, the auction right now, because I keep watching it. It's, like, at 35 k And I was like... I can move some crypto around, but also like you're <laughs> never going to resale that thing, right? Like no one except me wants Deshaun Stevenson's championship ring. So if, I, I, I understand your love for that blues team. If Deshaun Stevenson is selling it and doesn't want it and isn't getting like, uh, you know, like whatever he wants, right? Yeah. right? If it was that valuable, he would have people suitors lined up, right? To like, Let's oh my honest, God, like whatever 35 clay is. 35k is worth a lot more than what it's probably worth. Like he is getting, he's going over the top of the market, like real estate right now. Yeah, yeah, right. That is true. Deshaun Stevenson. That that is a funny name. So anyway, what I was gonna say though, we we don't have to get into all the wrestling because that is really sad. But I was a huge wrestling fan mm-hmm. growing up. Like, I mean, Monday Night Raw was like the thing. I did. I'm curious if you if this is like a normal thing that other people did. So, you know, movie rentals like blockbuster and stuff was uh was such a big thing back then what i would do is take you know so i mowed grass and stuff like to make money as a as a kid and i would take my whatever five bucks and i would go to the so i lived in a small town so we didn't have a blockbuster but it's so crazy my town had like ten thousand people in it growing up not even actually it was a little less than ten thousand and we had two movie rental stores (laughs) that we supported and like they were profitable businesses back what was was, what was the other one blockbuster and what else because because mine it's always a creepy one like mine was called literally dw's adult video and (laughs) 
my dad would take me there and he'd disappear probably behind the red curtain room. But then I would get lost because they were selling wrestling VHSs there. And I thought that was the, the best thing ever to get like an 89 ultimate warrior, 89 Randy Savage videotape to take home. Yep. They're four hours long. Uh, I, I love that. So yes. What was your video store called? So, so it's funny, Tony and I are from the same hometown. So okay. one, one was called Mr. Video, which actually lasted for a long time. Another crazy ironic story. My life probably would have went a whole separate direction. My parents considered buying that Mr. That that video rental place when you know this is when like the early '90s or something yeah. like that. You know when like that was like the th- you know blockbusters are popping up everywhere and mis- our town was growing and stuff. They were like maybe we should buy. They didn't thankfully end up end up buying that business. But it was Mr. Video and then my personal favorite because it was super close to our house. Like like it took me like a minute to walk there. It was called Pick a Flick. Pick, pick a flick. A fl- Interesting. Yes. yes. That's so that's I would definitely like there. I don't know what's are you from like the burbs of St. Louis? Yeah, suburbs. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was about to say that seems like a small town video store. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. In a little in a like one of the three strip malls in the whole town, this tiny little uh business. But they had like a wrestling was so popular, they had like a wall, like one whole wall that was yep. all these wrestling videos. And that's what I would do. I would go, you know, it's the summer. And if I wasn't out like playing baseball or basketball or whatever with with my friends, I would go spend my money and rent like Royal Rumble six or, or you know, oh, yeah. what at Wrestle, WrestleMania eight. And like I would watch it like 10 times. I would I was I was obsessed. And so that that transitioned into I collected all the like action figures uh, mm-hmm. all, like when I was a little when I was a little kid, one of my really good friends actually is close to having basically every um wrestling figurine that's like ever been made um he that's his like his goal is to have them all and like and like so like i see it and i'm like you know for a while when i kind of stopped caring and i mean i don't watch anymore but like the nostalgia now has set in i guess like you said i'm getting old so uh getting old so the nostalgia has set in and now i'm like man i really i really want to do that but they're really fucking expensive now yeah, because now they're collectibles, and I have a lot. I'd have to go through which ones I have, but I, my parents basically stuffed everything in the attic. Uh, I have <laughs> I have two nephews and one niece. The the nephews are one is two years old, so he so still plays with them. So like, I got to see which ones I have. But I remember having a lot of the the Attitude Era action figures because that's when I was purchasing them, or my parents were purchasing them the most. And sadly. I actually still watch wrestling. Uh, it's still like the one thing I hang on to. I don't play video games anymore. Uh, mm-hmm. I say I don't have time, but I guess I could probably create the time. But I don't. I just don't play them anymore. But I yeah. will still sit down and watch wrestling and go to events whenever they're nearby all the time. And I would tell you, like, don't even watch WWE anymore. The storylines have gotten lazy. They're a billion-dollar industry. It doesn't matter whether they put out good storylines or not. And so we care about. Uh, Cause mm-hmm. we're already like, we, we know it's fake. Right. And so like, we just want it to be good fake, like a TV show. Yep. Uh, AEW though, like you probably should get into if you ever miss wrestling. It's, it's incredible. It really is amazing. I've seen friend of the show blender Jordan, Jordan Cooper, who I used to do a separate DFS podcast with and still work with at Rotor grinders. He's huge. He's that, that's, that's something that he's, he's always been into it. I know. Um, I don't want to totally speak for him, but I know that he was, he's always been into it. And, but that was a thing that he just picked up like, more passionately and like follows it really closely like you said goes to events he travels to go to events because that's just like the thing that he he, he's always enjoyed it and like you know fuck it might as well like you know you only get to live once and like you said he he does go to you know he's not really messing around with the wwe uh anymore so that's funny i did i didn't really realize that that was that that was a thing because uh well ironically back then 
um, WWE actually had some small slip ups. I felt like when they lost a lot of guys to the WCW, which mm-hmm. is uh, which is which is funny. Um, and some of the like promos and stuff that we're doing, you know, we're calling it Royal Rumble uh, for for Spike Week. But a lot of the like really good stuff comes from WCW. Uh, interestingly enough, which had a strong run during the Money Night Wars era, whenever they were combating one another. I also funny story i dropped out of i don't know if you know the boy scout levels i don't know if you ever participated in that i was how the fuck somebody one of the the literally the guy that is a huge (laughs) wrestling collector we had a group message today going on and messaged me and somehow the boy scouts came up like literally this this exact parallel came up with the people that we're talking about he may have mentioned that we below's is the ranking before eagle scouts and i we below meetings were on monday night at 7 p.m that was also the start of wcw nitro and uh 12 year old daigle wasn't having any of that so (laughs) i dropped out of we below's and stayed home just so i could watch wrestling from 7 to 10 every single monday night i said uh uh in in that that a very similar thing I eventually dropped out when I just like really just only cared about sports and and and, and wrestling and and stuff. Uh, well, they tell you changed. they tell you Eagle Scouts like that was what my parents were championing, and every adult says like it'll help you, it'll look good on your resume, like that and like Spanish honors. I'm not sure what it got me anywhere in life, to be quite honest. So I'm glad I dropped out of both, to be honest. I uh, I took four years of Spanish in high school, be- oh, so, not because I cared about foreign i mean Mm -hmm. i didn't care about anything besides sports and partying through high school and college so like none of that stuff mattered educationally but i knew that um most of the colleges that i would go to if i took four years i didn't have to take a foreign language in college right so that happened the school uh i went to for two years after after high school i didn't have to take uh, a foreign language then i transferred to a different school for football and i got there and they're like nope we don't, we don't, those rules don't apply to us. And so I'm a junior at this, at this school, having not done, like didn't care about Spanish in high school. And I'm with a bunch of freshmen that I don't know at a new school or whatever, having to learn to learn Spanish and take an entire, you had to take an entire year <clears throat> of, of Spanish. And mm-hmm. I'm so good at bullshitting, like kind of just bullshitting and talking like this clearly, uh, at the end, it's just a, like an interview. You just show up to with the teacher and talk like 20 minutes in Spanish or whatever. And I guess it, I, that just like, my natural bullshitting ability just like spilled over into Spanish. And he you was like, bullshit oh, a yeah, different hey, language. I didn't yeah, even know that was possible. I mean, I can't speak a lick anymore of Spanish. Yeah. But Cause it's uh, different languages, obviously just mental reps. It's practice. Yes. And like, when are you going to find the time to practice? Like, unless you go to like specialized bar events where everyone puts on the name tag and you're, you're yeah. you, you want to speak that language because you're trying to learn with other individuals. So, we talked about a lot of the more the more fun stuff here. I could probably talk about uh, wrestling and old video games and all that stuff yeah. forever. But uh, what 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 is the biggest thing you think right now? Like from a fantasy football sense, doesn't have to be just best ball. Obviously, Spike Week is mostly best ball focused. That has like changed, or the just maybe the most prominent thing when you think of like modern day fantasy football. Like what, what is like the, the thing that like you would tell somebody maybe that not even that's starting out, but like if they wanted to take it serious or like, what's like the thing that just comes to your mind, like could be just about this off season or whatever. Um, just kind of like, it could be best ball too. Just anything kind of the, the biggest keynotes to you in the whole space right now. There are a lot, uh, for best ball, like the people that don't spend as much time on social media and thus live a better and happier life are not seeing the 
it's not really a joke, but it is. But the ongoing skirmish between week 17 matchups for best ball. <laughs> and I think it's funny because if you asked everyone, anyone in this space in the world, uh, what do you know? What are you 100% certain about in week 17, the championship round? No matter what they tell you, the only thing they'll get right are the two teams that play each other, right? Like that's, that right. is legitimately the only thing we know with the absolute certainty. And so the fact that people are still denying that week 17 helps, and it's, it's still a small space, right? Like, cause it feels large because we all hang out with each other. We all hang yeah. out in these chats. We all watch the same shows. So it feels just like everyone that enters the puppy is just automatically mm -hmm. stacking week 17 games whenever they have their first handful of players. But look at any puppy drafts. And I assure you, that's not what's happening. Like I, yeah. I encourage everyone to enter the puppy. Cause I do think everyone should get their feet wet in best ball. And that's better to do so than people who want to, you know, fire off hundred to 150 bullets in the best ball mania. But at the same time, like the puppy drafts right now are bad. Like the, the, the structure, the construction, the proper construction is genuinely lost by a majority. And so yeah. we are still just like crypto. And don't get me started because like I don't want I don't I'm not no, like Davis no. where I go on social media and I'll champion it. I do my own thing behind the scenes. Like yep. Devontae Adams said, I run my routes. I don't put it on Instagram. Like it's my yep. job. Like same, I'm never going to talk about yep. crypto in public because I don't feel like fighting anyone. But uh, <laughs> but, but I but I do genuinely think we are very, very early to week 17 still. And so the fact people are still denying it is is wild to me sharp people too it's wild to me and so i think it's for, go ahead I, I was just gonna say i think it's um uh, and just the the current example of the the thing that people are just starting to figure out right the smart it's like the early days of dfs like if you go back then and look at like gpp winning lineups even like live final winning lineups you would laugh yeah. No one knew what they were doing. The the, even the best players weren't that good. And that's how it is in best ball right now. Even the best players in the world are not that good because yeah. we just haven't really figured it, it's such a weird and unique game, right? In the long sample, blah, blah, blah. It's so, like you said, we are so early, but that creates these like divisive issues where like somebody comes across something, right? Or a, a collective come across something like this week 17, where like, pretty sure this is one of the only things we know like you said that we know that matters yeah. now how do you go about you know implementing it whatever those are all the things that's what we should be discussing but instead we get into <clears throat> like zero running back the the uh thesis behind zero running back is is not like a, a debate it's factual they're like there are there are reasons why that thing is a, is a good thing to at least know and understand. No one is saying you have to draft zero mm -hmm. running back teams, but understanding why it is a real thing and why it matters in terms of how you should like attack your drafts, because you can understand the like as long as you understand the thesis behind it, you can still go the opposite direction. But having that knowledge of why those principles exist is important whether or not you put them into practice in a draft, right? Same thing with week 17. Not every fucking pick that you make has to be like, oh, week 17, week 17. And I feel like that's what ends it ends up being, right? It becomes this divisive issue in our little tiny little niche bubble. And and people think like, oh, that 
that's the thing that everybody thinks is so important and it becomes binary. It's like, oh, they're all about week 17 or they're all not about week 17. It's like the zero running back thing. It's like, I like running backs or I don't like running backs. It's like, well, we can all like actually be like real about this and like find a middle ground because like you said, it, that's it's really all just like the people that are tr- like either smart or trying to learn figuring these things out as we go. And then there's just like, 85% of the people or whatever out there just doing whatever drafting six quarterbacks, no stacks, right? They didn't take a wide receiver till the 14th round, you know, and they're just, they're, they're just totally dead. And I feel like that, as you mentioned with zero RB with robust RB with superhero RB, whatever we're calling everything, really <laughs> the answer is just be pragmatic. Like that's it. Uh, but you know, pragmatic doesn't sell subs or yeah. get you likes and retweets. So no one can say that, but that's all we're doing really. Like, just like you, if I'm at the top, you know, I'll still take Jonathan Taylor, Christian McCaffrey. If I'm in the middle and Eckler and Najee Harris are there, I'm still taking them. And then I'm just kind of seeing what falls to me and going from there. I'll spread out my exposure right now between Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase. I still grab Cooper Cup early because you still really can't get him if you have a pick beyond yeah. four. And so that's why I'm really not worrying about exposures too much right now. Like I even think for redraft leagues, whenever I do rankings, I'm working on team previews for four, four right now behind the scenes for release in like three weeks in a month here. But, but like I have Justin Jefferson actually is my wide receiver one in fantasy over cup, but it doesn't matter because you can still get Jefferson at times in picks like eight through 10 when cup never falls there. So who cares who my wide receiver one is just take (laughs) you and get right now in June. And so adjusting for these things is I think why one having skin in the game is super important. So just so you can talk about them. Yeah. But two, yeah, like don't overanalyze. Just take what the board gives you and be pragmatic every single time. And it genuinely, it's that simple. Yeah, exactly. That's I mean, best ball moderate and and Tony basically say like, th- th- I live in the middle, and that's really what everyone should be doing. It's like yeah. we don't have to. So <clears throat> here's another random aside. I've been watching a lot of like cooking shows. Okay, so I'm I a, love cooking shows, by the way. I'm a I feel back, like you I and I literally could just hang out for a week and just end up on the same exact content every <laughs> single time. I know. So I bring this up because and I, I swear to God, I've not been watching because of because because of you. I mean, we actually only just talked yesterday that you were oh. going to come on or something. So but I'm fascinated by the by, by cooking and all the the thought, the process, everything that goes into making really any sort of dish. I'm not good at it. I'm, I am about the most novice chef you've ever met in your entire okay. life. I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely not good at, but I'm so fascinated by it. And I keep stumbling across things that they will constantly say on like these chef shows. So the one I'm watching right now, I'm actually re- I've actually watched it multiple times over the last few years, but um, have you seen the movie chef? Of course, with John Favre, yeah. with John Favreau. I think okay. I've seen so, basically everything that entails cooking. Uh, so I, I love food and I love cooking. I, I absolutely love it. It's meditational. So uh, all these shows, yeah. and I'll get I'll get into another conversation about it after you talk. But yeah, like Chef and uh, the Bradley Cooper one, Heat Burner Burn, something like that. Yeah, is also like another Chef movie about which all these things you'll realize are about passion, right? And so that's how it mm-hmm. translates to bigger picture items in life, not just about cooking. Anyway, absolutely continue. so so they they started a spin-off show on netflix john favreau mm. and the the chef who like that's a great movie worked with, yeah it's a really good movie mm. um and i had never even actually heard of it until a few years ago so they but what they do is they they started off like just kind of freestyling on this show like cooking some of the dishes that they cooked on the movie 
and they're like talking through it. And it's really interesting because they're, they're doing a lot of talking about the food and how you make the food, right? There's a, a world-class chef that's there cooking mm-hmm. with them that helped him with the, the movie. And, uh, so that's all fun, but then they, they, they have so much casual conversation too. Like some of it ends up being like kind of like philosophical and some of it you learn a little bit about the acting industry from John Favreau. They bring in guests like Bill Burr was on there. Gwyneth Paltrow was on there. Seth Rogen was on there. They go Wolfgang Puck. They go to Wolfgang Puck's restaurant and cook with him and do all this stuff. But what keeps coming up that is relevant to this conversation, in my opinion, is they'll frequently talk about like, okay, like cooking is just like yes you want like this particular recipe right and you can't have like create like just like best ball can't like go crazy like i said and draft like six running backs right you you have an outline you have a general outline but they'll constantly keep talking to john favreau because he's not a good and this is how i feel too when i'm in the kitchen he's he's not good at it and he knows he's not good at it relative to these guys he's way better he's actually like a thousand times better than me (laughs) but he's like you know oh do i need to do this do i need to do that and they're just like just feel like what feels right like when when you when you season something, does that look right? Does it feel right to you? Like whether you had the exact teaspoon, it doesn't matter. Like it's a lot. Like directional accuracy is what I typically talk about in the fantasy space. It's just like, does this feel like we're going in the right direction? And do we have basic logic to say like, okay, this this thing makes sense? It doesn't have to be these rigid rules, right? Zero running back versus robust running back, or uh, all in week seventeen or all out week seventeen. It's just like as I get into that draft, like I feel this thing out. Like sometimes a pick is going to arise and I'm going to be like, Oh, those two teams play each other in week 17. And I'll probably do it more than the average person, but also not every pick. It's not like I'm not starting every draft with a wide receiver in the first round. And I'm not picking every pick with a guy that plays the, uh, somebody else on my team in week 17. It's like a feel thing, right? We're just trying to feel out how to craft these really good rosters. And they, they, they talk about a lot of that stuff and it, it just keeps coming up. And I can't stop thinking about like all the time they say something. I'm like, God damn it. How is this? cooking show like giving me best ball advice like probably better best ball advice than i give to other people it also you can see it at the end of drafts because we all take players with confidence but round six through two 18 are literally just the wild west and you could see it if you look at like underdog adp compared to industry rankings like consensus rankings from different sites if you pull different three different sites right now of wide receivers 50 through 100 <laughs> it is wild how different yeah. everyone is because everyone's just drafting different and that tells you how hard it is to be right in round 16 through 18 those final rounds and so that's why like that's when i start clicking my brain saying oh well this team plays this team and like i like this player so i'll just go ahead and stack that but overall mm-hmm. that's kind of when it comes into play for me i'm not opening a draft thinking oh i'm going to take this player instead of this player and then i will make sure i reach on this individual because they play each other in week 17 that's not how i'm getting it done i do do that admittedly like i'm clicking stacks all the time but like mm-hmm. if that stack doesn't play each other in week 17 that's fine i don't care yeah and this is also really Really funny, not to derail, but Dobby says <laughs> Fournette, Fournette has been watching. Fournette and you know, Najee got together and uh, and watched Chef and made a bunch of recipes in this. Speaking office. of that, speaking <laughs> of Fournette and the extra 10 pounds, that actually is something I'm shocked we haven't seen yet because by June last year, I think we did get a few dips on some players. But this year, the ADP really hasn't budged at all, even mm. with the puppy opening <clears throat> in the past month, month and a half. It did after the draft, obviously, but other than that, we haven't seen like a seismic shift just yet. And so I'm kind of waiting for it, but I guess it won't happen really until training camp since we're now in that one month lull of the season, which is like the exodus. Nothing happens until the players return. Yeah, right. And 
we really just saw, I mean, also this year is so crazy. I don't know if you, did you hop in like right away when like Best Ball Mania 3 dropped and stuff and start drafting that literally like that first day or two? So yes. that was when shit just went crazy, right? Like, A, we don't need to get into all of it, If but if you didn't draft during that time when they dropped the contest, they didn't have a realistic like 80, right? Everything's off of ADP in like the order in the queue or whatever. And so they didn't, there's nothing they could do. Right. They didn't have an ADP for this new season. So rookies, mm-hmm. guys that had changed teams, it was very inefficient. Right. So the Sharks all jump all jump in in that first, you know, two days and just hammer all these guys. Right. It was a lot of rookies, Chiefs and Packers was a, yeah. a original, like basically what it was that were all mispriced. A Broncos probably too. the big mover. Right. The team, the teams that changed a lot. And so came in and it was like, dude, it was like two or three days. And since then there've been like very minimal movement. It all yeah. got snapped up so, so fast. Um, and so we're just getting a little bit of uh, Trey Lance is going back up. Deshaun Watson is going down. Corlin Sut- Sutton is like edging out Jerry Judy. Lockett's getting closer to DK Metcalf. Uh, Saquon Barkley's probably in the second round by now. He was in the middle yeah. third for a while. And Fournette and Connor bumped up because they were going like in the mid twenties for some reason. So yeah, the, they definitely, there's been some minor adjustments, but mm-hmm. nothing, nothing crazy. We, we saw like last year, remember we were in August and Jamar chase and Dak both dropped like two full rounds. Crazy. Like, well, I guess I'm going to get these guys now. Uh, and so that's what I kind of been waiting for, but we've had nothing yet. But again, I, I guess I'm expecting it now to happen in training camp this year. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's just, we've never been in this environment before. Mm-hmm. Where like the first week of May or whatever it was, these contests drop and we have like fairly efficient relative to the information that we know right now, like fairly efficient ADP at the beginning of May. <laughs> like, you know, last year, like you said, it worked its way out. We obviously had the training camp stuff, but like, I mean, most of us weren't even like doing content around this stuff bef- before then. I mean, I was still just like doing DFS baseball content or whatever, you know, NBA content and stuff. And then this whole space just took off so crazy. Like you said, kind of July, August, September of last year that we're still in a totally new and un- unforeseen um, in- environment. How, how, how are you approaching um, this off season from a, from a draft perspective, like total, not, not just best ball either. Like, are you still playing season long leagues? And if so, like, how are you kind of mapping out your summer, right? We have like three months to do all this. How are you kind of thinking through your plan? I have not had an off season. Like I, I've just <laughs> literally been working around the clock. I still haven't had an off season. Unfortunately, hoping to get one at least in the next like t- three weeks time. Since yeah. again, players are going to leave OTAs by the end of next week and we'll all be fine. But for me, the offseason is really about uh, best ball, all best ball content now completes at 44.com. Uh, just wrapped up tiers, which are behind the paywall, but they're there for everyone if you're a sub. And then I will getting into redraft. I will still definitely be doing redraft teams. I love redraft okay. personally. I know people are disgusted by the <laughs> ROI. Uh, if you just like did the math on hours spent on that team and the ROI you get in return like it's not worth it I understand I love the grind of it though that's what I do is I grind so I, I still I just, en- I just made a big dynasty trade uh this week in my longest running running home league are you playing any dynasty so or anything like that what's funny is that I actually don't play I think I play like one or two leagues like industry leagues and that's about it I don't get into dynasty much honestly and that's I think it's because best ball has essentially replaced that for me but I should because I, I keep up with contracts and everything so I definitely should mm-hmm. but I don't 
I find it to be really fun. I don't know. That's the, I, I can't get out outside of a couple of like home leagues that I've, I've just been in forever, maybe a main event team or something like that. Mm-hmm. I can't, I can't bring myself because of not even just like the, I don't give a shit about ROI on time. I mean, I talk about best ball uh, year round. So yeah. like, and I draft best ball teams year round. I don't really care about any of that stuff, but I can't, but I also like am competitive and I know myself and like you get to week eight or whatever. And like, if you're not seriously grunt, like, and I want to win. So if I'm not like putting in the full, if I know I'm not going to put in the full effort, you know, like you were talking about, you enjoy like that full, that grind of week eight waivers, or maybe if there's a trade or starts at decisions, all that kind of stuff. I know, like, I know, like I do a show on Sunday mornings for, for, for DFS. It's like, at the, the Sunday mornings, my priority is going to be elsewhere. And then like, I'm doing content during the week. It's like, I, I just can't like wrap my head around still focusing on it. Like I said, outside of a couple leagues. And so dynasty has a lot less of that. You know, there's not really that much. We have a hugely deep league with hugely deep rosters. So like your waiver wire pickups, you know, are like practice squad dudes. It's not, it's not like serious stuff. And so I, I find that, I think that goes a little bit back to like the childhood thing too. Like I grew up playing Madden and it was like, you got Madden back to the house, right? Unwrapped mm-hmm. it and put it in. And I'm like, time to fire up franchise mode. You know, I want to do a fantasy draft and put together yeah. my team, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I think that's where it still comes from for uh, for me personally. And I do love like the waiver wire, but also one, you have to remember that all of these decisions, everything we do, whether it's betting, DFS, redraft, it's honestly all the same research. You just have to be able to yeah. sift through it and parse it correctly because there are, between redraft, DFS, betting, and uh, yeah, I think that covers my bases. Like that's literally three different answers you get from the same information. And so yep. I do love parsing through it. And that's why I tell everyone I, I only play mid and high stakes single entries in DFS. It's because I love making decisions. Maybe it's an ego check. Maybe it keeps <laughs> me humble when I do get my research wrong. But like in my experience, people suck at making decisions in life. And so like, if I can then have an edge because I love making decisions and I'm passionate about making decisions, that's what I love doing. And so that's why I love the, the waiver wire and the grind and the start sits and all that. Uh, I'll generally never get away from them because I still think there's, there's a niche in it, especially because as more and more people don't want to do it, my natural contrarian brain makes me want to do it more because then I get over the top. Yep. So that's just the way I work though. Uh, I, I love that take. I love the, also love the take on kind of how, the research you're, you're doing research through a different lens, but it's still all the same research that can land you in all those different areas. That's mm-hmm. it. That's a hundred percent what happens to me. And so it's all, it's funny with the sports betting stuff. I will never consider myself to be some mega sharp sports better or whatever. I, I bet more overs than the, the, the people would tell you. Well, as you know, totals are the way to go like sides and I still bet size. That's like a fool's air. Don't do that. Yeah. I do <laughs> I that. Know. Don't do that. Uh, totals though are still have an edge. You can still get advanced at totals. So I'm betting, you know, I'm betting obviously a lot of, of player props because I come, but, but that's, it comes from my, uh, from a season long perspective, right? I'm spending all this time on all these players. I'll bet, I'll bet some season long um, player props and team and team props too. But from like DFS, right? I I do all this work to to like figure out a DFS slate. And it's like, I know I'm not necessarily going to go in and cherry pick the single, right? I'm not, I'm not creating some advanced model. I'm not doing anything super crazy, but I have my process for DFS, which in turn then lands me on 
like you said, a certain decisions I had to make for DFS. Yeah. So that then drop like, so then those are the bets that I then make. I'm not, you're never going to come to me and I'm like, these are the most, the three most plus EV bets you can make this week. It's like, no, that's just what happened to fit into my process for that week across this whole gambit that I'm, that I'm involved in. And then it just kind of like trickles down into there. I'm like, okay, this, whatever, this the running back play is like the best play for DFS. And so like, guess what? I'm going to bet his and over 47 and a half rushing yards or whatever. Like, is it the sharpest play? Probably not. But this is where my kind of research has pushed me through everything I'm trying to, to take in for that week. And I mean, we've come full circle because that's what I talked about at the beginning of the show is really just trying to parse everything and learn year by year. And that's what I still think I am learning, especially as I get more sports betting reps across sports, especially mm. under mm. my belt. But for football in particular, I think like there's the the widest margin, the widest gap in like win loss, like team futures and fantasy. And so like last year, that's probably how I came to a bad conclusion on fading Jonathan Taylor as a third round ADP because I thought the Colts would be bad. And the answer was I was right about the Colts, but it didn't matter for Jonathan (laughs) fucking Taylor. So (laughs) it's, it's, I'm still, again, I'm still trying to parse all the knowledge together and just like figure out what matters and when it matters because it all matters. It's just a matter about using it correctly. And so that's what I'm I'm still trying to do that often. And, uh, you know, hopefully we just still keep getting better as best ball and DFS keep getting sharper DFS. As you know, football, especially last year was the sharpest it's ever been. And even though I tell people that, you know, now it's, it's, it's very hard. It's just impossible. It also, in my opinion, was the most fun. Last year was the most fun I ever had playing DFS because it came the most skilled game ever. And, yeah. you know, that's my video game now are those types of games where I can actually invest in myself and hopefully see a quick return on it. And so, yeah, even though it did become impossible, uh, I had a positive ROI. Congratulations <laughs> to me. And I love doing it. I absolutely love doing it. More yep. fun than in the past. So, yeah, I, I still like trying to crack these codes every year. I will still, I will always play DFS even if I reach the point of not being a profitable player. Because even when it's like 100% thing. rate. Yeah, I'm still going to yeah. play it. I'm still going to play. They, they, they've got me. The uh, Robbins has got me. That's why you keep saying all this, all this stuff. Well, eventually we're just going to raise the rate because we know dummies like this guy are just going to keep playing no matter what. Well, we do, I, but don't, it, it, I don't play showdown though. I will say that um, I'm, I'm not good. And usually Sunday nights and Monday nights, I can't breathe because I'm yeah. doing the waiver wire column and I literally have to know <laughs> everything that happened in the league and why by Tuesday morning. So yeah. zero time to do anything else. So I don't even worry about showdown slates. I do showdown content, which ends up pushing me like, right. You write the article or whatever uh, you do the research. You're like, well, uh, I got to put it, I got to put a team in, but I don't play super seriously. Most slates. What I do uh, similar to this exact conversation we're having about like when your research dictates, you know, something you have an angle or you have a potential edge. I, so I don't really like fluctuate my volume like on a traditional NFL DFS Sunday. Um, and you know, like my best ball portfolio is going to portfolio is going to be my portfolio, whatever. Mm-hmm. But from a showdown perspective, like I don't play every slate. I don't play the same volume on it. It's actually wildly different. It's like, if there's one thing where I'm like this guy, this $2,000 wide receiver is going to be 5% owned or whatever. Particularly, I also play mostly the smaller field, uh, higher stake stuff in these scenarios in showdown. I'm not playing the, I, my brain is not good enough to figure out the, like, how do I figure out? Uh, how to not get this team duped. I'm like, I'm not very good at that. Right. So I, I, I want to play, you know, the few hundred man field and find this angle, right. That, uh, that I can play to these damn bots. 
get Daigle on <laughs> you here. Were, get, you were going strong though. You kept on talking while muting the, the bots. I know. I I misclicked. Like I almost I almost blocked somebody else. Casey, shout out. To I br- I, I almost blocked the- Casey, and that, that threw me off. But I you 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 come up with some angle right and i'm like okay this this slate i want to i really want to crush like like go play the 2k or whatever it is because i have this like i said this this receiver or this whatever fade this super chalk 80 percent owned expensive running back right Uh, the zeke everybody's gonna play zeke and it's like my i'm gonna do everything and and not play zeke or whatever Right. right you find some kind of some kind of angle. So it's very similar to like the sports betting thing for me. That's why I still love, I love, like I don't play showdown, but I love three and four game slates. I love playoff slates. I love yeah. holiday slates. Cause like that sloppy, uh, 90% roster, David Montgomery that you get to fade <laughs> and also yes. have like 4,500 in salary left over. It's like, look at this piece of shit lineup. It's going to win everything. <laughs> I love those slates. So I will always have passion for three game, like short game slates for sure. A hundred percent, yeah. I mean, there's not much better than the Thanksgiving slate. The Thanksgiving slate, uh, also you is, get to like drink around your family and tweet through it. Uh, yeah, while, tweeting like, through it is a bit a huge perk. You just ate too much food. You're getting drunk with your family and you're pissed because you faded that. Uh, or you played. Remember when it would be? Um, oh my God, who's the Texans' old slot receiver that would be chalk on all these? Uh, sh- um, oh, Kiki Cutie. Sh- Yes, Kiki QT, the short slate chalk guy every time. And you're like, God damn it. I played 75% on Kiki QT and he had two catches for 30 yards or whatever. Every single game. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Xmas, uh, Christmas, Christmas slate we have uh we have now this year. Uh a pretty, the, a pretty uh, fun schedule. Week si- week 16 and week 17 are gonna be rough on your boy because we get Christmas Eve stack games followed by three games on christmas and then the next week week 17 is new year's day slate uh uh-huh. it's gonna it's gonna be it's gonna be rough man really and the best ball final that's, and that's the new year's day best ball championship and that's when the like in in the content space that's when like the clicks go down I, actually you know for videos like this it's probably better because you're keeping an audience engaged for a weekly return but you know in the redraft streets like there are only there's so few people are around anymore. No one's reading yeah. that stuff, and yet we still have, all have to write it and create videos for it through week 18. It's a disaster. It's a mess. Yeah, I will say that's one thing I do not. I absolutely yeah. do not envy. Um, uh, so, sometimes, sometimes I, you know, I'm sure people don't envy me in uh, the middle of May or whatever, having to dream up a reason, like doing a draft stream, you know, on May 18th and being like, well, why did you select this 11th round guy? I'm like, I do. I don't fucking know. It's, it's when it's may, it's the, may no comments. Like every comment usually bounces off my back. Now, like I either meet people or just ignore them completely or like be a smart ass back to them. Like I usually just don't even, I have no emotions anymore. Poker and DFS have ruined my heart, but on Christmas Eve waiver wire, because that's when it comes out every single year. That's the way the holiday drops. The Christmas Eve waiver wire, when someone comments like, Puh, this guy's rostered in my league already. It's like, bro, it's Christmas fucking Eve. It's week 17. Like, who cares? Like, <laughs> I, I do not write this call up just for you, and I'm ignoring my family, so go away. <laughs> How are you going to be Scrooge in the comments on a Christmas Eve? Like, like this person's putting out content. that, And like you said, it's the same thing. It's like that that uh, we would get that in DFS all the time where it's like, I would, I'm writing from the, you know, single entry, same thing as you it's mid to high stakes, smaller field, that kind of stuff. So like when I'm producing content, it's geared around that. If you want Millie maker content, you need to go to someone else. Like what I'm telling you, it, 
not only does it not apply, it's probably suboptimal. Like you're actually going to play worse teams based on what I'm doing because it's strictly totally geared towards this certain kind of contest. But you'll get the replies that is like, wait, what do you mean you're fading this? They were they're only going to be X owned. And I'm like, did you read the A? Did you read the fucking article? And B, like, was that like, is it really necessary? Like, if you, if you didn't agree, just move on. That's and, a that's the what's that the the Ricky Gervais bit or whatever he's like you know why does everybody feel the need to be like I didn't agree with you and I you you're gonna fucking know that I don't agree <laughs> that I don't agree with you. Uh, that is he's actually my comedic hero. He's gone down um, an offensive path. He's always been offensive, but he's gone down yeah. an offensive path recently. But yeah. I will say, like in my opinion, still the funniest thing. It basically taught me comedy was when I first came across the Ricky Gervais podcast with Stephen Merchant and Carl Pilkington, I still believe are the funniest audio recordings ever to be recorded <laughs> to this day. And they're all on YouTube if anyone's interested. Uh, all you got to do is literally look up Ricky Gervais, Sirius XM, start there at the radio show, and then get to the iTunes podcast, and they are fucking brilliant. I'm going to – I am definitely going to do that. I'm always looking for uh... – new additions outside of the sports world. So that's why I appreciated that, you know, our first like for 50, 50, 60% was kind of really not talking about any of this fantasy football and, stuff. We both I do. talk about it around the clock. So I, I, I like to, to think about it. it, it I, I mentioned it, but it's like when you're just so in engaged in this space, fantasy football doesn't have to be best ball. Right. You talked about waiver wires, all that kind of stuff. And you're just engaged and passionate about a space. I have these other hobbies and these other things that I'm listening to a podcast like that or whatever you take away stuff that you don't, that applies to that. Right. I talked about the cooking shit, watching people cook food. And I'm like, Oh shit, that makes sense for best ball. (laughs) You know, dude, have you seen crazy? Have you seen chef's table? The show? Oh yeah. oh, yeah. Okay. I'm about to say, if you want like a life experience, like that show is about food, but it's not about food at all. It is literally just about how far will you go and where do your ideas come from? Uh, I love shows like that that are genuinely just about passion more than the actual subject you're watching. Those help me yeah. out the most. So speaking of, so speaking of passion, you've been moving around a lot for the last X, however, however long, mm-hmm. how, how, what what's what's going on with it? You got to tell the the Daigle Nomad Path story. <laughs> How did this begin, and and are you continuing this, or what what's what's your you know living stitch, and what's your your plan? I know you're you know you got a new job and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, so I was curious how that's going. Uh, the the short long version is <laughs> two years ago now. Whenever I was last in Connecticut, moved to Stanford for NBC, was there a year the pandemic hit and I moved there to be in studio often and we were making some really good strides uh, and getting us at Roto World and NBC Sports Edge much more involved on screen with me being there. But then the pandemic hit and everything went backwards. They could only bring in X amount of talent. They obviously and justifiably chose the Chris Sims, the Rodney Harrisons of the world. Why would you ever choose John Daigle over the never, <laughs> ever? Uh, not not frustrated about that at all. And so <laughs> it makes perfect sense. And so like eventually it became working from home uh, and, and working from home. I'm still very proud that myself, Josh Norris, Hayden Winks, um, all with NBC Sports Edge going to the studio at that time. And we took down the FSWA Best Football Podcast of the Year Award mm-hmm. during the pandemic. That was a proud moment. But basically what happened was that there was a lull during the offseason. And when that offseason hit, like 
it became obvious that I wasn't going back to studio, but also Connecticut was in true lockdown. I couldn't even go to grocery stores. So I was ordering groceries. And remember I moved there for my career and I've lived uh, all over. I've literally lived in every time zone and Australia and Canada uh, multiple times. Um, I've moved everywhere from my career and other life events that we don't even have time to go into, <laughs> but, uh, true pandemic, no family, no friends essentially there. And so like, I'm just stuck on my own. And so like, I literally am only like running, which can be like an analogy for running from my problems and like going through major mental health issues. And I've talked about yeah. mental health very open on other shows, but like, basically I was literally drinking myself to sleep, like vomiting at 4 PM. I was not in a good space at all. But fortunately, mm -hmm. I also recognized it and thus said, we are not going back to studio if we are not. I cannot do this like for another year. There is, yeah. I won't make it out. And so I literally just um, said, I'm not returning to this apartment, uh, you know, paid the rest of the rent and then took off. And I was going to start driving around the country and he I was headed to Traverse City just to be in wine country at first. But I figured, why not text Evan Silva and say, hey, I'm going to stop by for a couple days, and then I'm going to go to Michigan from there. And what happened was literally a couple days became a full year. Uh, <laughs> I remember an awkward conversation like two weeks into it. He's like, Daigle, you're not leaving. And like we're just watching TV and sports. It's like 2 in the morning, and I say, hey, turn the TV down. And I go, what if I just stay here and work with you during the regular season? He goes, Daigle, you're staying. And he turned the volume all the way back up, and that was the conversation. Uh, I stayed in the guest bedroom that had no sheets. His house is a disaster. He stayed upstairs. <laughs> and we did that literally just yelling at each other, staying up till four in the morning. It's literally probably the most unhealthy I've been uh, due to having too much fun with friends during a football season in the last like decade of my life. And then after that season, everything went well, no worries. But then I wasn't going to live to the snow. I said, fuck, like, I don't, I'm Southern. <laughs> I hate the cold. I hate the cold. <laughs> And it never made sense to me why people stay in the cold when they have free will to move. So right. I was like, I love you, bro, but I'm out. And uh, I could have, I did go back to Texas for a little bit to see family, but really what happened is I took off across the country for the next year. Uh, and so the entire off season, I, for, so it was four, four or five months. I literally just drove coast to coast, uh, staying at hotel, Airbnbs in my car at times, like just literally driving all over the country. I hit 47 of 50 states. Um, wow. Stopped. I got out to see so many. Utah's the one, honestly, where everyone needs to go to. I'm not even like a rest stop or attraction stop guy. I stopped like literally seven to 10 times in Utah because it's, it's so beautiful. Wow. Uh, Chris Allen is in the chat here too. I stopped at his and stayed on his couch. He makes his own beer. He brews his own beer. He's won awards in Cincinnati for his brew oh, wow. beer. And so like we literally just hit up his pineapple IPA kegerator and just drank until his kids woke me up at 6 a.m. on the couch and told me to play video games. So that was my <laughs> life. This so, really yeah. has come full circle. Yeah, we're yeah. Bad, now and, we're all the way back to video games. And then last year, this past year, one more season at Silva's, but – it was different. Like, this is like, he's more involved in ETR. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he's just like getting older and tired. Uh, we <laughs> like, he didn't want to get, and I, neither did I, but like, he didn't want to get unhealthy as we did the year prior. Cause we tore ourselves apart um, yeah. for a lot of reasons. And so, and so basically like we both calmed down and then in September, I happened to meet someone um, here in Chicago, met my partner now. And then I think in, 
November after a few dates, I just said, Hey, like, this is what I do. <laughs> I had to explain all, everything I told you, I have to tell like a stranger who just met me essentially right. at literally right. three dates in. And I say, Hey, <laughs> this is what I've been doing. Like I've been sleeping in my car across the country. <laughs> and now I live with like a 38 year old. Who's also one of my best friends. And like, he's very sharp. He's like the sharpest guy in all of football, but like, I'm just like sleeping in his guest bedroom. Cause I don't pay rent anywhere and I don't have anywhere to go. Uh, <laughs> what if I moved to Chicago if this thing has legs and she said, let's give it a shot. And here I am in June now and everything is going tremendous. So I live in Chicago permanently now, hopefully for a long time since that's where she is. And yeah, I'll be at the Scott fishbowl live draft in Chicago here. I'll probably nice. be helping MC and host it. Cause I'll be participating in it as well. And I'll probably be here a while, but hopefully I still get to make it down to St. Louis soon and see you. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. It is kind of funny. You've mentioned that the Midwest a couple of times, Chicago and St. Louis both are, have like a lot of people in, in the, obviously everywhere has people that are playing, but in terms of people producing content or, or even being behind the scenes or whatever at some kind of fantasy sports uh, site, there's a lot. And I didn't even realize, like I live here and I didn't even realize just how many people uh, until you're you know, you're just on Twitter long enough and people keep mm-hmm. popping up and like, oh, yeah, we should get together. We should do this. We should do that. Um, and so it's a great and they're, they're both so close. That's also the, the super easy thing about it. I mean, it's a four hour drive. And in my travels, Chicago. by the way, you'll understand this. In my travels, I went through St. Louis to hang out with Drew Silva, Evan's brother, yep. who works, you mm-hmm. know, baseball at NBC. And a stranger asked me like literally just in meeting me where did you go to high school apparently that's a thing in st louis uh-huh. where everyone is infatuated with where i went to high school let let alone like none of them knew in his in his high school in texas like no one knows <laughs> right. where the fuck in his high school is in st louis so it's no big deal they had no idea where i came from um but also i didn't realize it's it's actually like kind of small right like st louis yeah. is just a, a bunch of burbs in a city yep. Like everyone has their own like village they live in. I, I mm-hmm. always imagine it like a bigger city. So again, this is why we travel. So we learn the cultures like that. It's it's the there's one downtown ish area that's like the size of a very 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 small city. Like you mm-hmm. wouldn't even call it, think to call it a city. It is just surrounded by hundreds and hundreds of suburbs and neighborhood it's just a bunch of neighborhoods it's a bunch almost. of neighborhoods in a city yes that's and, and but it's like you get from one to the next and it's like you went into a new state mm-hmm. they're all very weird and unique st louis is weird like that kind of a melting pot being right in the middle right there's like the italian neighborhood and and all this all this kind of stuff they actually have a wonderful it's called the hill this it's one of my favorite places to go okay absolutely wonderful old uh, old time that it's the Italian na- neighborhood. That's like from, yeah, I don't know the early 1900s or something. All the homes are original and it's just got countless restaurants and bars that are all these old school, like pure Italian families. Uh, you know, it's been in their family forever restaurants. That, that's, it's probably my favorite place uh, to, to go. Definitely to eat, definitely to eat and eat and drink, not necessarily like for the bar scene, but um, but that's a great example of like, it's a very weird place because like you, you, you can like throw a rock from that little neighborhood and like hit like Bush stadium. Like it's really not very far, but you just drive a few blocks and you're like, what the hell this looks, you know, that th- this doesn't look like a city, but you're almost in the city limits. Well, I got a couple road trips coming up soon. 
as I get to place to place. And like now I've settled on like, if I can get there, if it's an eight hour drive, like that's where I, I actually drive now. And I know that's insane to the normal person, but uh, it's peaceful for me. I love it. So uh, I got a couple I'm of road similar. trips. I'm, I'm actually similar. I like to drive. I drive to Nashville usually when oh, I go for, for, for work. So similar, yeah. you know, four, four hours or whatever. I got a couple of road trips coming up and uh, I'll definitely stop by. Yes, that is that is perfect. Um, as we as we start to to wrap up, there's been too many things, and I have too many uh, uh, thoughts now. So we, we'll, maybe we'll have to do another another one later in this uh, later. I in can this come back season. and talk football since uh, we really didn't even talk football at all. We can do it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. We can do a late season one. Maybe we can do yeah when when you're in town or something. We'll uh, we'll set we'll we'll set something up. But so what we didn't get into, you mentioned four for four. Um, you haven't even mentioned bet spurts, but I know, you know, you've made the career move over to, to four for four and stuff. What, how, how did all of that go? You know, you, you told the story and I really appreciate you sharing, um, kind of the whole story of how you got to, got to here, but how did, um, the, the transition from NBC to, to four for four and, um, how did all that come about and like what's on the horizon in the short term? NBC is an amazing place truly to work. And, if you are fortunate enough to work your way up there, you can do that for the rest of your life. You really can. And I envy people who are content. Um, and I'm not, I'm literally not talking about anyone there, just anyone mm-hmm. in life who's just like content. Um, I went on Davis's show. I've mentioned Davis a lot actually now, but uh, <laughs> I, w- I went on the take cast and talked with him. And he, he even said like, oh yeah, he's a person like with no drive. Like he's happy doing what he does now. And that's what he's going to do the rest of his life. And I really envy that feeling because like I'm the complete opposite where I yeah. know I'm going to kill myself via my drive. Like I am going to end myself trying to get to the top and be the best. Um, and it's a disaster, but that's just how my brain and how my like grind lifestyle is wired and it hasn't has it's got me this far so i don't plan on stopping soon but and doing that then and not being content you then ask like well what's what's the highest you can go at least in this industry like doing what we're doing and that is ownership like that's that's the top um is to actually own a piece of something and so that's what it genuinely came down to is that definitely could have kept on with NBC, uh, renegotiated my contract, and I left on terrific terms with everyone. I will be at the, at the Expo in Canton this year where they are host of a couple hosts, but they are hosting. Um, I'm even believe this is not official but we may be trying to work a panel like an old comeback panel too with all the guys so i can sit yep. down with Corrine, roto pat and denny again but really it just that's what it came down to was uh not uh i cannot be content in life what is the next step and that was the next step so now with four for four who was obviously acquired by betsperts under the umbrella that betsperts also bought out dynasty league football as well and a fantasy life that Matthew Barry runs um, with Elliot Chris, good friend underneath him. And so that's where we're at right now. We're all working together to see what we can do. And so far so good because I've never had the backing of the tools that for four has. And like, honestly, Eric, you and spike week, uh, your tools are shared in our Slack. Cause you have a couple things we don't have. And we're very envious, uh, <laughs> some, some very good tools over there, but no, just, just to have the tools backing my process before. So now what I bring to the table, this is important for me too. Cause I talked with a few companies that I'm very good friends with in situations, but really like for me, what was important was that also at four for four, everything I do 
no one else does there. Like TJ Hernandez, John Paulson, Chris Allen, we don't overlap because we all have different brains and we all we all have different strengths. And that one was so important for me. Like I don't really do projections, but I can work with projections. Paulson mm-hmm. is one of the best at projections, and now I get to work with those. Hernandez is one of the best at game theory. Now I can add mine to that, also my player analysis and just spin on everything for DFS purposes. So uh, I generally just – I love the fit because – I bring something that they didn't have yet. And so that's why I think it works out best because Paulson and Hernandez and everyone else I mentioned, uh, Jennifer Eakins as well, um, none of us do the same thing. And that's what's great. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And I love a very, very, very similar thing um, for me in terms of like the ownership thing. You know, I've worked in the space for long enough now uh, and kind of bounced around doing some different things and originally didn't. Uh, I told this story, too, on an episode a while back that I, I, I wasn't in the content part of this whole company. I had no real passion to be getting into content. And then it was just kind of one of those things. I happened to be having success in DFS and Cal, Cal Spurs, who no longer, um, you know, is, uh, is CEO at the company. But back then, you know, he was my direct boss and he was just like, why don't you do that? Like I was building the tools, like helping to build the tools like Slate IQ and stuff like that anyway. And so he was like, why don't you like, just like write something or do, do the show. And the next thing you know, it kind of like um, just snowballed into it. And I really started to enjoy it. But then you work for long enough in the space. Same thing as you. I'm like, I'm I'm I would call myself in the middle between you and Davis. I'm not like definitely not like content, mm-hmm. but um that that led that's me healthy. To, that's the healthy middle. That's where you should I'm be, t- honestly. I definitely don't know that I'm a, a, a healthy, but I think that that having the, the enough of a similar kind of drive and um, um motivation as you do led me to be like I, I like I also like have like kind of that startup-esque brain like mm-hmm. i'm always thinking about ideas and all that kind of stuff that's like the tool you mentioned the tools and stuff i'm cu- we're like i like that that's what i like to do is think about these new ideas and stuff and so uh that's i basically approached the best ball thing i was like look this is the space i think is gonna blow up this is my bet i'm willing to like bet you know like my job basically on it but i want I want um, some ownership into this project, right? I understand that working for a four for four bet spurts, working for Roto Grinders, better collective, right? I'm not, it's not like me running my own startup, but there's also perks to that. You know, there's a lot of infrastructure and stuff that I know I built a startup before. There's shit that you got to do that you do that nobody wants to do. And it is awful, right? Um, Or you got to pay somebody right at a, you know, go on Fiverr or go on Upwork or whatever and uh, and pay somebody to do it. I don't have to do that here. So th- it, there's like this middle ground that can be found in in in, you know, what you're doing and and what I'm doing. So I totally, totally respect that. Um, you mentioned Dynasty League football. I didn't actually know that they they uh, bought Dynasty League football. And Jake, Jake wants to know Jake from State Farm. Sweet, Abby. Uh, you said you're not in the in the in the Dynasty streets. Um, but I got to take. You- I, I was going to say, do you actually have a take on this? Oh, I always got a take. Yeah. Uh, yes. I think Brian Robinson is bad. How about that take? Um, no, that's Bijan. That's uh, Bijan Robinson, oh, who Bijan. is at oh. Texas. At Texas. At Texas. Oh, no, still. I don't have a take on that then. Okay. I have no idea about Bijan Robinson. I was ready to torch Brian, uh, Brian Robinson <laughs> to the ground. So, well, so I was apologies setting, to Brian Robinson's family. Yeah. <laughs> I was setting that up because um, I want to ask you uh, before we wrap up. I know it's early in the off season and all that. If you had to like stake your brand to like a, a take, right? I did this with freaking Trey Lance and Darrington Evans last year. Obviously both failed about as spectacularly as you can fail. But yeah. if you were to say, I'm hitching my wagon to, it doesn't have to be one player. It could be a team stack, whatever. Um, 
who who do you feel like that is for you right now? Who are you hitching your wagon to for 2022? Good player. Because like if you ask me like my favorite late round selection, it's Kendrick Bourne. But I'll be damned if I stake my entire oh, career I like that. Yeah. to Kendrick Bourne. Kendrick Bourne. Uh, <laughs> that's how terrible would that be? Uh I guess like my good my good takes would be I have three of them, my good takes. Okay is that I, I think we're still too low on Cam Akers because everyone is assuming last year was how they'll use him when that's mm-hmm. not true at all. Like He was brought back injured. And remember, they brought him back all because you have to be active in an NFL season to make sure you get your pension. And so they literally activated him to get his pension. But then to still give him that share of touches, which he was yeah. terrible with, obviously. Multiple fumbles, 2.4 yards per carry. But also remember, he only had one fumble for his entire career at Florida State. That's not his issue. And he had multiple in only four games last year. So we're not worried that that's the Cam Akers, right? Um, I expect the same one that handled 81.5% of the team's touches in the postseason run to return this year over Daryl Henderson, who's already injured at OTA. So I love Cam Akers. I think think Cam Akers is a better selection than – uh, and I'm not taking him here because, again, it's about having skin of the game and where I can get him. But I do think like he'll ultimately be a better pick than Nick Chubb, uh, Saquon Barkley, and Zeke Elliott. So like I'm, very, I'm very high on Cam Akers. Take number two is that I have Stephon Diggs over Devontae Adams. I don't know if that's even a hot take, but I do want to point out that remember two years ago whenever I was wrong on Stephon Diggs, he led the entire league and targets, catches, and receiving yards. And then last year, he was drafted in the mid-first as if he was going to sustain that production when he clearly wasn't going to. That's not how regression works naturally. But even though he didn't get there, even though he finished as the wide receiver 10 in fantasy points per game, the opportunity actually was there yeah. in that 9.7 targets per game, and he led the entire league in end zone targets. Also, his uh, rate of throws, 20-plus yards downfield, increased from 9% to 17%. But again, the results weren't there. So now he's getting double discounted, even though the opportunity was there. So fuck that. We're going Stephon Diggs over Devontae Adams all offseason. And then uh, I had one more. Maybe I, maybe I don't. Don't say CEH. Oh, oh, the one player I will stick my wagon to. Um. And this is pretty obvious, but like I think Michael Pittman could probably be a wide receiver one. Uh, he's being treated as a mid-wide receiver two when I think he should be drafted as a low-end wide receiver one because he already showed us he can do that from worst quarterback play when he was the wide receiver seven in fantasy points per game for nine whole weeks through week nine mm-hmm. until Carson Wentz like became Carson Wentz again. And so like... <laughs> Now with better quarterback play after already seeing the 14th most targets in the league last year, like we expect him to be even better. So why doesn't he have top five in his range of outcomes um, and as a third year breakout option? And so, yeah, I, like if you told me to bank on one player, it's definitely Michael Pittman at that position. I love that. And that's a, that's a fun one because he's a, he's actually quite a, a polarizing player in, in drafts. You kind of have people that are bullish on him and obviously the opportunity, like there, there's almost no one with more potential opportunity, like upward, mm-hmm. upward gaining opportunity, opportunity than he has with basically, you know, I, I actually really like Alec Pierce as a, as a football player, um, but he's not going to come in and, you know, command 12 targets away from, from Michael Pittman uh, every week. And so, you know, you get the Matt Harmons and such of the world. I've actually, he just recently posted a reception perception of uh, Michael Pittman. And it was just basically like nothing but gold stars, you know, all over the place that, uh, so you get, you know, you get some people that don't love him. 
um, think he's overpriced, but you get, I, I love, but I love those kind of guys. I love well, to, to kind of hear kind of the different angles on individual players like him. And that's why it's important to note that he was wide receiver seven through week nine, because he showed us his range of outcomes, right? We now have a proven ceiling that's not being accounted for. And that's why I think we should go overweight on him and be higher than industry consensus. That's what I got wrong in. Oh, there was one player last year. Uh, oh, uh, no, that's why I also like Marquise Brown this year. That's that's what mm. I keep going back to because already his the targets he saw twenty plus yards downfield as a deep threat like have never been more accurate than what he's going to see last year. Like Kyler Murray led the entire league in completion rate on throws 20 plus yards downfield. 49% of his passes downfield were completed. And now he gets like his old teammate in Marquise Brown, who has never had that quality of targets from Lamar Jackson. So like, it's actually like the perfect situation about what these players do best finally fitting together. Now, since Marquise Brown is a better Christian Kirk that has proven he can be a wide receiver one. Um, Marquise Brown was actually the wide receiver six through week 10 until Lamar Jackson got injured last year. So again, ceiling outcomes. He's proven he has a top 10 ceiling. Why isn't being treated as such? Instead, he's being drafted like around wide receiver 22 or 23. So also very high on Marquise Brown. Love, definitely love that one. I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very, very much in on, on Kyler as well. Um, Cause it Absolutely. also, like you said, it elevates Hollywood, which in turn, I mean, Kyler, Kyler, we were talking about MVP, overall QB one last year through X amount of weeks, kind of the same thing. You mentioned Pittman and Hollywood, you know, when we, when we break it down to a, to a, a relevance, you know, people like to do that. If you, if you take away this week or whatever, but they'll do it when it doesn't make any sense. When we, when we're talking about removing Lamar Jackson from the equation, right. Or a, a specific scenario when Carson Wentz just like forgot how to play football, those kinds of things are relevant to look at those samples. And I love that one for um, Kyler and, and like Hollywood. you, like you, I've also ended up with, so I have so much Kyler, Jalen Hurts, and Lamar Jackson, the rushing bros, yep. uh, all because like they've been undervalued this offseason. And you know, even if like the bottom falls out, we get their floors. And it's like, well, I guess he's here again. I guess I'm gonna keep on going <laughs> overweight on these three guys. I know. I know. It's uh it's a it's a it's a blessing and a curse because I, I th- those are just the guys that make so much sense. It happens at a lot of other positions too, but it, it's we talk about it a lot during the off season. Like these are small loss, big win players, Yeah, right? Like all three of those guys could be the quarterback one. Am I projecting them? No, but could absolutely be the quarterback one. And it's actually a fairly easy path for them to do it. And even if they fail, Jalen hurts was bad last year. The Eagles ran the ever living shit out of the ball last year. And Jalen hurts was an awesome fantasy court. Wasn't literally an awesome fantasy quarterback. We've seen Lamar. We've seen Kyler do it. So like, I just want those guys if, and then I'm just going to let the chips fall where they, where they may. To your point, the Eagles last year had the second highest run play rate from neutral game script from week six on. And Jalen hurts still, was a quarterback, a top 12 quarterback in all but two of his starts. Like, he's going to get there every single time. That is that is so crazy. So, as we wrap up, you you committed to, Rob Rob mentioned here in the chat, is Daigle ready to catch a GTS in the Spike Week Royal Rumble? Daigle, we haven't announced a lot of other, uh, you know, Overzet and Kareen and such have been in some of these some of these promos. But, uh, well, I guess we'll just, uh, Daigle is going to be joining us in the Spike Week Royal Rumble here, coming up coming up uh, pretty quickly. So it's fitting that we got to talk about some wrestling before we, uh, before we get into, you know, a, a best ball version of our wrestling Royal Rumble. I'm still not quite sure how that works. That's probably how it's supposed to work. That's uh, exactly but right. I, but I know I show up and draft and talk shit with everyone. So I feel like that's what we always do. So no big deal. 
exactly it's uh it's definitely being secretive uh, uh for a reason it makes it fun to do some of the wrestling promos but it's, it's obviously it's gonna be pretty straightforward i'm sure everybody everybody can figure it out um anything else what, what's coming up what's 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 uh you mentioned like a uh, previews and some of that stuff what else you got coming in the uh on the horizon oh i will announce uh over the next week and i haven't even announced this to our podcast listeners just yet nice if you subscribe to the most accurate podcast the podcast i host every thursday usually with john paulson he's on vacation tomorrow coincidentally it's going to be matt Harmon talking about potential breakout options at wide receiver with me in particular michael Pittman. but (laughs) when you subscribe also review because for the next week i'm going to tally them for the next week the best comment in the reviews for the podcast you will win a entry in the scott fish bowl which scott fish has been kind enough to gift to me so best comment over the next week, Thursday to Thursday on the most accurate podcast feed subscribe as well gets you that coveted Scott fish entry. So that's going on. And then also for four.com best ball tiers, best ball rankings. Um, it's all up. It's the same thing we fight about here on spike week, who is also <laughs> doing amazing best ball things. So stay tuned. Uh, much appreciated. And for everybody else. Yeah. Make sure to go and review i mean if anybody doesn't if not super familiar or just hasn't even been in the scott fishbowl before incredible uh just an incredible thing that scott does puts together every year and you won't regret being involved basically uh so it's a total people win. take it very total. seriously so like, seriously it's so funny people forget it's so funny. that it's for charity and instead yeah. <laughs> like yell about clock times and picks <laughs> and strategies and people take it very seriously so funny but um Thanks, Daigle, for joining. For everybody else, I will be back regularly scheduled time tomorrow, mostly talking some strategy, and then we'll be back on Friday to do some more some more drafts. So um, for myself and for Daigle, for my dogs that keep popping in and out uh, all over the place, for Daigle's, um, you know, uh, wrestling takes and fishing lore collection that is that Hell is yes. that is soon to be. We will uh, see you guys next time. 